Welcome to Walkinverse. We're going to expose tyranny and share the truth. So sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's me, Kev. It's been a while since the last episode, but things have been heating up around the nation. Today is May 27th, 2020, and this is episode number 12 covering HR 6666. This is a part one of a multiple series. Let's get into it. The overview. This bill authorizes the CDC to award grants for testing, contact tracing, monitoring, and other activities to address COVID-19. Entities such as federally qualified health centers, nonprofit organizations, and this is where I have my first problem with it. The terms are ambiguous, and that means the bill is, puts us people at risk. When they say nonprofit organizations, we, the people, need to know who those organizations are. For example, one of the organizations that has been used for contact trace is called Partners in Health, and I'll dive into that later. But they have some nefarious people on their um, board. I'll leave it at that. As we continue to read the overview of this bill, it states that awarding grants, the CDC shall prioritize applicants that one, operate in hotspots and medically underserved communities, and two, agree to hire individuals from communities where grants activities occur. And the concern is, how will they hire? We have seen in the past with census workers, especially in California and other places in the country, where they hired felons and sex offenders, child sex offenders, for workers under the programs. And then in 2020, they did it again with the help of the census count. Now, I can't even imagine who they're going to find to hire them with HR 6666, especially with all the people being released from prison, because they just don't vet. And you can look up the site for that in the notes in the uh, body of the podcast. Then in Section 2, there's a section called COVID-19 Testing and Contact Tracing Using Mobile Health Units. This section, COVID-19 Testing, Reaching, and Contacting Everyone Trace Act, is interesting as it sets the basis for the Fourth Amendment and additional privacy rights violations. And the reason being is it allows for entry into your home, and it can potentially quarantine you and collect identifiable data by workers who may not be qualified, especially due to the individuals they hire from the communities of underserved and hotspot areas. So the best advice I can give you is don't volunteer to let them in your home because it is a constitutional issue. And many sheriffs have gone on record stating that as well. Now in the next section, 2A is the general section. And this section states this, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, acting through the Director of the Control for Disease Center and Prevention, may award grants to eligible entities to conduct diagnostic testing for COVID-19 to trace and monitor the contacts of infected individuals and support the quarantine of such contacts through, and here it is, and the vehicles in which they will pursue is via mobile health units and residential quarantine and testing. Again, it's loosely defined, right? So it leaves this open for interpretation as in what kind of quarantine. And we're hearing things in different parts of the country where they can come in and take you from your home. Uh, you, have to, you have to show a video. And I'll get to that later too. But if you take some classes around being a company contract tracer, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Now in section 2B, it also leaves a lot for interpretation. It says that a grant recipient under this section may use the grant funds in support of the activities described in subsection 1 to train, hire, compensate, and pay the expenses of individuals, and 2 to purchase personal protective equipment and other supplies. Now, 
What I found interesting is that if you hire somebody, that means you're going to pay them. And with that, of course, comes training. And with training comes compensation, but the compensation for what? Right now, there's many online schools, like I said before, that offer free training and they give you certificates to show that you know you went through it and so forth. But then when you take these classes or you look at them, they also come with a lot of misinformation throughout them. And what's even more bothersome is that some of these classes are designed by John Hopkins University, which are the same people behind Event 201, which was also funded by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And so you have to kind of keep them back in your mind when you think about this whole outbreak, these bills, and who's behind them. Also, some of the topics that are covered in these classes will, will include things such as like SARS-CoV-2 interventions through contact tracing, identifying common barriers, and how to overcome. And then my favorite one is ethical consideration around tracing, isolation, and quarantine. Now, again, these people, they're not professionals. They're just people off the streets who can go and get hired as a contact tracer. And they're taking these classes to learn what it's all about. And again, what they're being taught is not, it's not accurate. Now, the word composite I found kind of odd because the composite is a verb, right? And what it means is, is that you typically give somebody money because they had injury or suffering has been incurred of some type. And that's why I bring this to the forefront is this bill, it mentions to pay and it uses the word compensate. And when lawyers write bills, they pick words for certain reasons. They're not just loosely throwing out words out there. They know exactly what they're, they're doing and why they're using them. And you normally would not pay and compensate if you not expect some kind of loss. So to have both words in the same sentence, that's bothersome. And then next, we look at the phrase pay expenses. And that also is kind of odd because it has a feeling around a contractor who will have to reimburse themselves. And then you also kind of think of like, and I know it's maybe for a fetch, but, or maybe it's not, but mercenaries, right? Who are there trained for one thing to be paid without thought of consequence with whomever they engage. And when you hear these governors talk about contact tracers, it's their armies. So again, you know, you just got to kind of put everything in perspective. Now under section 2C, which is the priority, they say they will hire anyone from hotspot communities or any individual areas that lack access to primary care. And it goes on and says that in selecting grant recipients under this section, the secretary shall give opportunity to one, applicants proposing to conduct activities funded under this section in hotspots and medically underserved communities. Now the question is, what is a medically underserved area? Well, to give an example of that, of who they help, it's the homeless. So one of the examples, again, is, is homeless people. And in Austin, Texas, they're testing a project called the ID2020, and that's to track medical and criminal records of these homeless individuals using blockchain technology with digital identity and using 5G to scale it out. So think about that. What have you been hearing a lot lately, right? You're hearing a lot in the news about digital identities and 5G rollouts. And again, the only way you could track digital entity at that level is with technologies such as that, blockchain, 5G, and so forth. Other people that they target in this underserved areas are Medicaid people, right? Which is the elderly, Native Americans, and migrant farm workers. Now, there's always exception to the rule as well. So in the law, it states that if they wish to go after other areas, uh, the requesting person in charge has to, with written consent, send a letter to the person in charge. And that could be a state's governor, a representative, and the local health official right? Again, vague usage of who they must submit the request to. And again, it leaves room for working with third parties. 
such as the organization I mentioned earlier on. Now, this is where it gets kind of odd because even though they're telling you they can go out there and contact trace and collect information, well, there's requirements around privacy. And that's in section 2E, federal privacy requirements. This section is uh, quotes a few interesting laws in which they must adhere to while performing their tracing task, right? And so what that states is this, nothing in this section shall be construed to supersede any federal privacy or confidentiality requirements, including the regulation promulgated under 264C of the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability HIPAA Act of 1996, and also Public Law 104-191, 110 Stat 2033, and Section 543 of the Public Health Service Act 42 USC 290 DD-2. And yes, I did actually go through and read all of that. I'm going to share it with you here. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail because it's dry, but I'm going to pull out the parts that were the most interesting. Okay, so in Section 264C under regulations, this is what it says. It says that the regulation centers on a person's identifiable health data connected with the electronic data exchange as stated in the Section 1173A of the Social Security Act, right? And that references Section 262 from the HIPAA Act of 96 dealing with data administration. Also, they set a time limit. And the time limit for this to go through cannot exceed 42 months, which is four years roughly, right? And that is stated for their compliance. Now, what's interesting is that four years is a presidential term. So they're expecting to be able to push this through in a four-year term. That means that you need a president, right? So we to do it. And to pull off digital identity at scale, the president would need to fast track the implementation. Okay, it means 5G nationwide coupled with blockchain to create an immutable system of record for wide-scale digital identities. That's the only way they can pull this off. In earlier podcasts I had discussing around um, 5G, I discussed how the FCC approved SpaceX on March 29, 2018 to launch 4,400 5G satellites into low orbit around the Earth. Now, they want to expand that range to 20,000 up to 42,000 by 2027. And when that happens, digital ID is a reality. Tracing at a large scale around the world, they can do it. You get on a plane, you go on a boat, you're tracked. There is no way to stop it. And with blockchain being immutable, the record doesn't change. That's the issue. Well, one of many issues. Now, the next section, 543 of the Public Health Service Act, which is 42 USC 290 DD-2, Section A talks about the requirement, and this is a quote, records of identity, diagnosis, prognosis, and treatment of any patient which are maintainable in connection with the performance of any program, okay, or activity relating to substance use disorder education, just sickness or illness, prevention, training, treatment, rehabilitation, or research, which is conducted, regulated, or directly or indirectly assisted by any department or agency of the United States shall except it's provided in subsection E, be confidential and be disclosed only for the purpose and under the circumstances expressly authorized under subsection B. And subsection B is around permitted disclosure. And the first section is called consent. And this is a quote. The following shall apply with respect to the consents of any record referred to in subsection A. Subsection A states, such contents may be used or disclosed in accordance with prior written consent of the patient with respect to whom such record is maintained. You got that? Written consent prior. So you have to give consent in order for this data to be used. Subsection B and C state that once you have given your consent, then anyone defined in this section can use your data now and also in the future. 
And this will include any treatment, payment, um, healthcare operations until you revoke the consent in writing. But the problem is the bill does not tell you or define for you how the patient, you, can revoke through a written letter. It doesn't state anywhere where you can send it. So again, how would you tell them, I don't want this to happen after they collected it, you're kind of stuck because they'll lock it up in red tape. Now, in section two of this section, it's called method for disclosure, right? And in this section, it defines how the data can be used when consent is not given. So when you don't get permission. Section 2A allows medical personnel only to use the data to meet the need of the medical emergency. All right? That means that they just can't use it wherever they want. It's only for the medical emergency and by a medical personnel, not a contract tracer. Section 2B addresses what a qualified person can do, and this might be the contract tracer. And it says that these individuals are only allowed to use non-identifiable information for scientific research, financial, and management audits, and evaluation of the program. They are not allowed to use any of, the, any of the data to identify a person directly or indirectly. Got that? And Section 2C carries on and addresses the court's power for access to in extreme cases for the good cause and public interest. Now, even though the court may have power, they, this is where things such as the CATS test come into play, and that's part of the Fourth Amendment we'll get into later in a different podcast, around privacy tests. And these tests have been established by the Supreme Court, and there's case law around it. So they just can't, you know, use the data however they, they see fit. There are laws, there are tests that have to be passed, like the Jones trespass test, the CATS test, and so forth. And again, I'll cover that later in more detail. Now, in Section 2D, it focuses on the role of the health authority, so the public health authority, as defined under Section 164.514B of Title Code 45, which is the Code of Federal Regulation for Creating De-Identified Information. And in this section, it states under subsection A called standard, the de-identification of protection health information. This means that the data cannot be used in any way to identify the individual's health information at all, period. So if they collect your data, it cannot come back and identify you with it. Then in section B, it talks about the requirements for de-identification and it's a pretty in-depth um, section. So I'd, if you have a chance, go look it up. It tells you what they cannot collect. But in a nutshell, the only information they're allowed to collect and use is the year, not month or day, is the year of birth, admission, discharge, or death. That's it. No other information can be used that is considered identifiable in this section. And again, that list is pretty long and comprehensive. Section C carries on into how to re-identify somebody. So they first de-identify, now they want to re-identify. And this is where a covered entity will have to use a generated code. They cannot create the code from the data. They can basically re-identify you, the individual. And they also, they cannot share with how the code was created nor disclose it to anyone as well either. So it's starting to sound again, tying back into digital identity, plus something called MyPath. And that was again, ran in Austin, Texas. Bill Gates is behind that as well. Accenture and so forth, ID2020. It uses blockchain and is funded by, again, Gates. I know I keep saying that, but it just I want you to remember that this guy is everywhere around the stuff. He's not a doctor. He's not a physician. He didn't finish college. He's just a rich guy with a lot of cash who now is a philanthropist thinking he knows better than everybody else in the world around health. And he knows nothing except how to use his vaccines. And I get into that in other podcasts as well, especially with children over in Pakistan and India. Now, in Section C, it's called 
Use of records in criminal, civil, or administrative contexts. And this is interesting. I'm just going to quote this straight up. And what I find interesting is that now that you have all this data, what can you do with it legally? Now, they say that when somebody comes after you, does a contract tracing, that if you don't self-quarantine, they can use the data to show that you're sick, and then they can you know, incarcerate you, whatever. Well, according to this, it states otherwise. So in Section C, use of records in criminal, civil, or administrative contexts as defined by their law, except as otherwise authorized by court order under subsection B2C or by the consent of the patient, a record referred to in subsection A or testimony relaying the information contained therein may not be disclosed or used in any civil, criminal, administrative, or legislative proceeding protected by any federal, state, or local authority against a patient, including with respect to the following activities. One, such record or testimony shall not be entered into evidence in any criminal prosecution or civil action before a federal or state court. So how can they throw a contract tracer in your face and, if you don't comply, incarcerate you in quarantine? Because where's the due process? Because here you need due process, right? Two, such record or testimony shall not form part of the record for decision or otherwise be taken into account in any proceeding before a federal, state, or local agency. So they can't use the information. So who says you're sick? The contact tracer? Who says it? The doctor? The test? Because if we've seen repeatedly, even from the CDC's own mouth, the tests are corrupted. They have been known to be fraudulent. They have known to be contaminated. And that's coming from the CDC. Even Dr. Bricks came out and said that she can't trust anything from the CDC. So again, what test? Okay. And now number three, such record or testimony shall not be used in any federal, state, or local agency for a law enforcement purpose or to conduct any law enforcement investigation. Let that just sink in for a bit. And number four, such record or testimony should not be used in any application for a warrant. So you won't self-quarantine. They force it. Then they're going to get a warrant to say that you won't quarantine based off what data, because according to this, they can't use it. All right? Again, read the laws. Read what it says. So again, these bills are so, it's kind of like the healthcare bill. Remember when that came out? Nobody read it. They just said, just pass the bill and we'll read it later. Same as this, just pass the HR 6666 and we'll read it later. No, no, we're going to read it now. We're going to go through this line for line and understand what is a stake, what rights will be taken away from us, and no more. We have got to stand together and stop this insanity. These governors right now are completely out of control. The Congress is completely out of control. There's a title called Title 18, Section 242, Deprivation Under the Color of Law. Look that up. You'll be interested in to see what it says. Anyway, I'm going to wrap this up. And I just want to thank you all for following me. And please, you know, sync up with me on a link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Walkinverse. And I have a new newsletter where I'm starting to get out there where I show hot issues as they're, as they're coming up now, um, call to actions, you know, across the country. Just recently, I saw how a sheriff was going to be recalled by the governor of Washington, Inslee, because he decided to stand up for the Constitution. Another officer 
who was fired for standing up to the Constitution against him. So we're seeing how governors are completely not honoring their oath, violating constitutional law, violating their oath, and this has got to end. So the only way this can end is if we as a people stand up, rise together, and end it. That's it. And we have to use all our peaceful means necessary to get the word out, educate, and let people understand that what affects one of us affects all of us. So united we stand, my friends, or divided we will fall. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider a membership at $5 a month. You'll gain access to all past, present, and future e-reports and books, as well as member-only content. The link is in the description of the episode. If you have any questions or comments, please send me an email at walkinverse at protonmail.com. W-A-L-K-I-N-V-E-R-S-E at P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L dot com. And until next time, keep the faith, stay safe, and peace.